Hi, I'm Zach, and welcome to the IB Voices podcast. During the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic, anxiety levels around the world are at an all-time high. And at the IB, we are acutely aware that many parents and guardians are being thrust into new, challenging situations. One of the many consequences of stay-at-home mandates means that some IB parents are working from home while simultaneously supervising home learning. Others may have to continue to go to work with no choice but to provide childcare. With so much to be concerned about, how can we keep ourselves as grounded and stress-free as possible? That's a big question and one we asked Dr. Dave Anderson, a clinical psychologist at the Child Mind Institute a nonprofit organization dedicated to transforming the lives of children and families struggling with mental health and learning disorders. Between his own working at home balancing act, Dr. Anderson was able to find some time to talk to me about how we can mitigate stress and supervise at home learning. My first question is, so as stress and stress management is often talked about, um, but it's easy to talk about and it's it's sort of more difficult to actually manage your stress. In terms of health and well-being, how important is stress management? Uh, hugely important uh, and, and made no, no less important by the fact that this is a situation that none of us have encountered or, or at least very, very few people across the world have truly encountered, you know, the kind of social distancing or pandemic response measures that are, that are needing to be taken right now. But a lot of folks don't realize, and I think you raised two really key points. One is that knowing conceptually how to manage your stress is a lot different from doing it in practice. One of the things we're happy about as mental health professionals is that, you know, we've done a good job, I think, over the last maybe half decade, getting some, you know, discussion into kind of the general populace, some general mental health literacy about what's needed for wellness and mental health. That's, that's out there. That's fantastic. But at the same time, humans are predictable in the sense that uh, once we know something, we figure that knowing it is the battle. And that's not really, you know, what, what happens with mental health. Mental health is more like, you know, working out. Like you got to be working the muscles every single day to ensure that when you really need them, you know, you're in a, a, a fairly good place to kind of manage that particular stress. So I think the thing that we emphasize in a lot of our materials is practical steps that people can take to practice stress management. So it's not just knowing that you might be more emotional, it's monitoring your emotions and trying to figure out at what point they are the most you know, intense and then kind of figuring out what particular behavioral coping strategies you could use, what relaxation strategies you might implement, what mindfulness strategies you might apply, and trying to get people to really cultivate a practice. And I think the final piece related to stress management is that we're, we're really trying to help folks realize that active coping has one role in the sense that you have a technique that you can use to cope. But the major coping strategy during COVID is acceptance. It's undermining your own perfectionism. It's knowing that there's going to be some uncertainty that you're just going to have to tolerate because uh, we don't necessarily know when life is going to change or return to some semblance of normalcy. And so at some level, we're trying to help people to chunk their kind of wellness steps they're taking into a few days and say, okay, I'm going to do this for the next few days. That's going to be my plan. And then kind of keep moving forward beyond that. Yeah. So keeping on with your workout analogy, with which I love, yeah. if you're in a gym, it's pretty clear sometimes what you have to do if you've been going for a while. You have reps. There's different machines. How do you know how many reps of coping you need to do? <laughs> right. 
So what we start with, with a lot of the kind of online resources that, that we create right now and, and the kind of daily tips that we have at Child Mind each day and the Facebook Lives that we do twice a day, um, you know, what, what we're starting everybody with is basic wellness strategies that everybody knows but may not have been paying as much attention to before this particular crisis in the sense that we want people to start with the basics of sleep, eating, exercise, you know, some level of social contact. And if we can check off some of those boxes, we're already well on our way to managing stress. So if we can tell somebody, look, you know, we know that COVID has made all the days run together and it's almost as if like, even in working from home, you don't know what day of the week it is. There's nothing to mark time seemingly. Exactly. But, you know, what you what you want to do is stick to just some level of structure. You're not watching every episode of Tiger King on Tuesday night. You're going to bed at a reasonable hour. You're getting yourself eight or nine hours of sleep and really trying to kind of start from square one there. Then it's the fact that, look, there are lots of families during COVID that are experiencing food insecurity for any number of reasons, or that the job or financial insecurity is also contributing to worrying if they have enough money for food or essentials. But, you know, if we're talking about kind of the baseline of a family has food to feed themselves, then we try to help people think of is that basic wellness practice entails eating regularly at you know, a schedule that kind of resembles what would happen if your life had a little bit more structure. Mm. In that if you were going to work, you'd probably have breakfast before work, you'd probably have lunch around midday, you'd probably have dinner at some point later that evening, hopefully with your family. And and what we're watching is that when people lose that structure, a lot of their wellness habits drift. They're mm. eating at off times, they're getting more hungry and hangry than they need to, they're not sleeping in, in cycles that are necessarily good for their circadian rhythms. And finally, with exercise. I mean, many of us have had the kinds of exercise we do, you know, really limited at this point. Like my favorite kind of exercise is playing team sports. I cannot do that right now. So as much as I may not like running that much, that may be the best thing that I can do right now. Right. And so, you know, I think what we're trying to make sure is that if people have those three things down, then we try to think about social relationships. And we do inventories with people. We say, look, the people that you're currently socially distancing with, are there aspects of their relationship that, you know, can bring you joy, can involve enjoyable activities, can uh, involve, you know, fruitful conversations together? And if not, because we, we know that many people are social distancing with family members that they may not, you know, love social distancing with, even if they love their family. Um, then we try to think also about how they can maintain social contact outside of that through the use of digital means. Yeah. And if we can get those basic wellness practices in place, then it's kind of, we can say, okay, then when are the worst moments? Like we know you're structuring your day already. That's when we might apply additional coping strategies. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so before we part, thank you so much for your time. And I just wanted to ask one more question. So for parents, especially in the IB community, they're getting a lot of exercise in terms of running around the house, making sure that their children are, you know, doing their homework, doing their classwork, maybe also balancing one or more jobs and also the usual stuff that happens around the house. Is there any sort of specific advice you might give to parents whose busy lives have just become even busier? Of course. I mean, the first thing is it's funny because I think all the all parents would say that what you just described, that kind of running around between online schooling, their own work and trying to manage the responsibilities of the household. Uh, it's like living in a foreign country over the last month. It's it's that it's brain exhaustion, but not exercise itself. <laughs> right. and so, you know, we're hearing a lot about mental, physical exhaustion due to that cycle. 
and we've got to be able to plan ahead for that in order to prevent burnout. So some of the things that we're, we're saying to parents at the moment is, is that, you know, first, we're trying to get uh, any parent balancing all those things to realize the world is a more compassionate place right now than they think. Like, many parents are telling us that their workplace, you know, at some level is trying to adapt to this with them as a partner and trying to figure out, you know, what's reasonable, how they can still produce quality work while at the same time, you know, balancing what's going on. Um, and so, you know, I think there's that. There's also the fact that this is a new world for uh, school teachers and educators. And so in that sense, you know, sometimes we'll hear from parents, you know, I can't believe the school is sending this. I can't believe this is what they're requiring. And we'll say, look, reach out to the school. They're in a new world too. It's not as if there's so many habits that are defined right now that they're going to be that rigid or inflexible. You know, see what you can kind of work with them on in terms of making life easier a little bit. Then there, once we've kind of reached out to everybody we can, then it's back to trying to undermine people's incredibly high expectations for themselves or sense of perfectionism. It's that we tell parents, if at the end of the day, you've had a few blow-ups and you give yourself a B-, minus, it's a good COVID day. When we see parent to-do lists and they say, look, I want to do these six things for my kids. I want to do these six things for work. I want to do these six things around the house today. Our answer is great. Pick one from each list. You know, you get three and then you get two bonuses, but you don't get 18. And... You know, during during COVID, we have to kind of forgive ourselves the fact that we're just not as productive, not as efficient. Everything takes longer. There's more things pulling on our attention and our time. And so in, in many ways, we're just trying to get parents at the end of the day to a place of tolerating the uncertainty, being gentle with themselves and being compassionate with the moments that they felt that they failed because they just don't have all their tools at their disposal and trying to just think with each day, what's my priority? You've got a really tough work day where you've got to make some deadlines or something like that. That means that maybe the kids aren't going to have the most successful day of online schooling because you weren't meant to be their teacher or vice versa. And, and similarly, if those two things are things you're juggling right now and the dishes don't get done until the morning or you got to yell at your teenager to get them to do it, eh, you know, life could be worse. That's what we're trying to get people to just kind of forgive themselves as much as they can as they sort of round the edges of this crisis. Absolutely. And so for uh, parents who do find themselves in um, that educator role, do you have any tips for specifically supervising home learning, especially if it's their first time? So I think that some of the things that we've talked to parents a lot in our clinical sessions about at this stage is first we talk to them about kind of developmental stages of scaffolding. It's that if they've got a kid in the younger grades elementary school, it is very likely that person needs someone sitting next to them pretty much the entire day to be able to focus. Now, you can get into rhythms in the sense that you might be able to do your work from home while that child is engaged in, say, a Zoom class or doing some level of work, but it requires a ton of scaffolding, and that's something that we really have to kind of like relax into. With kids in the middle grades, it can depend. I mean, we're seeing a lot more questions from parents of kids who have learning disorders or ADHD, you know, related to the level of support they can provide now that those kids are bereft of the school support services that they would normally have. And then, you know, with, with many high schoolers, we're seeing parents just say, well, how can I actually monitor what work they are getting done? Because they're trying to push me out and, you know, only do their work in you know, a space where they're somewhat isolated. Um, I think the, the other thing that we're talking to parents about related to the schoolwork is the idea that schools have no interest at the moment in taking kids who would have passed the grade if COVID hadn't happened and 
now putting them at some risk of promotion or of passing because we're all trying to adapt to a new world of online education. So at some level, like we're just trying to get kids to be able to engage at some level with their work um, to, you know, produce their best effort during whatever hours of the day you're trying to reserve for homeschooling. And, you know, to really kind of think about not so much whether or not they're doing the best work they would have done pre-COVID, but rather, are you guys getting through it without too many big fights? You know, are they able to produce at some level what their teachers are expecting? And are you then able to take certain portions of the day and make it not school time? In the sense that, like, even if you have an unsuccessful day of homeschooling, pre-COVID, every kid could come home from school and then hopefully have some independent time during the day where perhaps their teacher is not going back over, you know, exactly what happened during the school day or what sins they committed. And that's really important to have some divide like that. But as you get into the afternoon times, you, you put kind of money in the bank in terms of bonding and uh, work completion the next day. If you can kind of put schoolwork aside, focus on family relationships and doing something together that's enjoyable and making it so that a kid doesn't see you only as the teacher taskmaster at this stage, but rather as still being in the role of their supportive parent. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Dr. Anderson, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Thanks so much for having me. So in conclusion, try to monitor your emotions and identify useful coping strategies. Also, create a schedule while you're at home and do your best to stick to it. Plus, for our parents at home who are supervising learning, try to meet your learners where they are developmentally. And most importantly, be forgiving with yourself. You don't have to hold yourself to unrealistic expectations. During this pandemic, the Child Mind Institute has become a truly borderless resource for not only children's mental health and learning disorders, but also for the social and emotional support of parents. To take advantage of their services and resources, visit childmind.org. Thank you, Dr. Anderson, for your time, expertise, and all the good you are doing. And to our listeners, on behalf of the IB, be safe, be well, and we'll be back soon with more stories from our students, schools, educators, and more.